Hi and welcome to episode 26 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolter and my guest today is Geordie Kerwick. Although he only started painting about 18 months ago, his work has caught the attention of art dealers and curators across the world. His first solo show opens in Melbourne at Lindbergh Galleries at about the time this podcast goes online. His next solo show will be at Anna's Arena Gallery in New York and he's in about five group shows which are coming up in Europe and the US. I really enjoyed spending a couple of hours with Geordie just talking about life and art. We talked about his influences which range from other Australian artists he admired to his wife and boys and music and his love of France. I've posted a few of his impressive still lifes and abstract works on talkingwithpainters.com so just go to the website to have a look at those. I started as usual at the beginning asking Geordie where he grew up. So I was born in Melbourne uh, 34 years ago um, and grew up in the Northeast suburbs of Melbourne. Oh, okay. Sort of on the outskirts, a place called Research. Um, we went and spent, we lived in Hong Kong for a couple of years. Oh, right. Um, with Dad's work, which was awesome. Sort of fired the family, I guess, in some ways. You just spend more time with your sisters and, you, and the expats. And yeah, came back to Melbourne and. So you lived there since then. And what, uh, so what do you, do you remember anything when, from when you were a kid, like drawing or painting or anything like that? Yeah, I used to draw. Uh, just monsters with Byro, and that was about it. <laughs> just, just monsters, what's just, that? Just monsters. Just, oh, just, oh, just monsters. Just, all I drew was monsters, and <laughs> you know the really um, the stereotypical house and two windows and sort of stick figures. Yeah, I never really got into it. It was all like ghoulish faces and big teeth and yeah, yeah, and always with just with pen. So, so is that like so? Did you do art at school? Uh, not really. It's more more music. More, more into music. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what? So in what way? So what? What sort of music did you do? Um, so I played in a couple of bands: bass guitar and and, and lead guitar. Um, oh, so is this in high school? In high school, and and I started I started learning guitar when I was seven. Yeah. Oh. Um, right. Anyone re- in your family musical? Um, not really by way of of playing music, so to speak, like playing an instrument, more so listening. Um, we always had uh, music on the house um, and in the car, mm. so we were surrounded, particularly influences um, by my father. What um, sort of music? Uh, Rolling Stones, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, he had some really good ones, and then he had equally some shockers like Gloria Estevan. <laughs> um, hey, don't put down Gloria Estevan. <laughs> oh, I can't do Gloria. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, some, you know, rock set. Some, oh, yeah. yeah, 80s. Yeah, I think he bought the um, New Kids in the Block album as well. So yeah. But then we'd go back to um, Dale Braithwaite and, you know, the good stuff as uh, well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Back to the 70s. So, yeah, Dad's, Dad's, Dad's influence was up and down. Not always good, but mostly good. Yeah. yeah. And so, so you were learning the guitar. And so what sort of music did you play in high school? Oh, grungy stuff, you know. So at that time, Nirvana were big and... Um, who else? Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, all those kind of things. So you do covers and yeah, that sort of thing? Yeah, some originals. They were horrendous. Um, they're <laughs> so bad. I think, Did you write? Yeah, well, insipidly I tried writing, but it was just more 
get up there and stuff around and down tune your guitar and just play those big monster monster chords yeah. and you know thrash away at the drums and um yeah there wasn't much structure so we're all wearing secondhand clothes and had long hair i got an undercut mum made me grow it out i wasn't allowed to have an undercut all that sort of stuff what's an undercut we uh, shave so, yeah we had oh. long hair and then you'd shave yeah oh, right, uh, okay. they're sort of coming back now but <laughs> yeah i wasn't allowed an undercut i was so i was in big trouble when i got mine i then i really focused on sport yeah mm. i turned into a bit of a jock i think oh, yeah. when i was about 14 so what 15. sort of sport i'm mostly basketball and footy yeah i was i was i was an okay basketballer and um it was pretty average football, to be honest. I played in the rock because I was tall. I wasn't allowed to kick the ball. I just had to handball whenever I got it. So I was, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty average. But I was um, really, really lucky to, and it, it all comes down to luck. I was lucky to grow up in an age, in an age group where all the guys in my teams were exceptional sports people and athletes, and we seemed to win everything. So. <sighs> I was, yeah, I've always been exposed to this winning culture, although I wasn't necessarily very good, but the guys around me were. So, yeah, yeah it was really lucky. It was really, really lucky. to. Well, especially in Australia, because yeah. for young men, that's like the be-all and end-all, isn't it, really? Yeah, it Being a, sport, a sports hero. Or... Yeah, yeah, I definitely had aspirations, like shooting around at back, playing, you know, NBA and stuff like that. But Yeah. So you didn't do art at school, did you say? Um, no, because uh, it was too structured. Like, I think, you know, art and, and playing around with your paints and pencils and charcoal and whatever it is, it's all about just free flow and, and um, experimenting. But art's like, okay, you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to do this and you got to yeah, do this. Right. And it was kind of, it wasn't interesting when we were learning. There was nothing interesting about it being told what you had to draw and how you had to draw it. I, I can remember really clearly having to do these dot rendered um, portraits but that'd give you, okay, you got to do this person. So essentially you'd have 25 people doing the same dot-rendered portrait. And it was, so in terms of learning off your mate or being inspired by the people, there was none of that because everyone's doing the same stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I never found it interesting, really. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I didn't love it. Maybe I didn't have interesting teachers. I don't know. I just, it wasn't really a big part of, it was more music then. It was more yeah. going up to the music room and... Bring a guitar to school and, yeah. yeah. So what stuff. did you do? So after school, what did you decide to do? Um, I went to a few universities. Uh, I started I started four degrees. Oh, wow. I, I got kicked out of one uni. <laughs> um, I've haven't, I haven't finished any kind of higher education or tertiary education. Right. Started heaps. What were they? Um, sports management. Um, there was, I did arts. I did six months of arts where I studied um, astronomy and philosophy Um 16th century, 16th century South American history. <laughs> it was awesome. I had creative writing and stuff like that. That was awesome. Then I started uh, finance at RMIT. Um, yeah. Well, I enrolled. I never went. I just didn't rock up. It was pretty smart. Um, <laughs> why? Why? Well, first of all, why did you? Why didn't you finish the arts? Because uh, there was, no, I guess there was nowhere really to go. Like, oh, I kind okay. of, you found I, that was. Yeah. Well, we looked at the career pathway. I could have been a philosopher. Or I could have been. Yeah. Yeah. So. So then, so when you went to RMIT, so why didn't you actually go to it? Well, I, I sort of did that because I thought, I thought finance would be good because it was a noble, structured job, you know. You and, get it, yeah. And sort of my, my dad had passed a really great career out in finance and, and banking um, and he had provided us with a whole lot of opportunities and it just made sense to follow his path. But mm. it just wasn't like, yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah. So then I ended up at um, Swinburne doing business, and I lasted six months there as well. 
You don't, is it, you don't like studying? Or no, I've been told what to study. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so my, my idea, if I, if I could create a course now, it would just be getting a uni timetable and then picking out things I want to go to. I go to uni every day if I yeah. could. Just picking the lectures, I could, you know, yeah. uh, that'd be amazing. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't interested enough. And I think mm. I must have a really, um, I don't, probably don't have a great learning style and I'm not really academic. But I mean, you're clearly interested in a lot of things like literature and music and uh, art. Yeah. So... Uh, do you prefer like the self-taught sort of and reading things that interest you? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So what did you end up doing when you decide when you decided you didn't want to pursue tertiary education? Um, lots of manual jobs, like you know, bartending and um, got into retail at some point in time. Um, I was always interested in going back to school in some capacity, um, but when you start making you know, when you start making a reasonable amount of money, and I define reasonable as not much now, by now standard, but as a 22-year-old, yeah, um, yeah, it becomes less important. <laughs> and the idea of being able to do what you want and having that freedom, having the money to um, to service the lifestyle you want is far more important. Yeah. And you live in the now. You're not living in... You say, well, you know, by not getting this education, um, uh, it might hamper my efforts to develop as an older man um, you're not thinking like that. No, I of think. course not. I think you're thinking yeah. in the now it's great. I've got money. I can go out, get pissed with my mates. Yeah. You know, petrol the car. I think I was paying 70 cents in the dollar, uh, 70 cents per litre back in the day. How good was that? <laughs> it was the best. <laughs> so what did you do? You, you kept in the music scene. Yeah. And then started, I, I, I went and saved up a little bit and went and bought turntables. Um, and started one of my good mates and I really got into to DJing, electronic yeah. music, um, yeah. which was amazing. It was the best. It was really, really cool. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. had another lesson. Um, we had to get another mate, another guy, and come and give us like a 101, even though <laughs> just to set it up. So, um, What, you just got work pretty quickly after that? Oh, there's a little bit, yeah. And it was just more... Um, so it was, it was a combination of having something to really invest in, like a hobby, and to generate some income out mm. of it as well. And so, what did you like about it? Um, trying to work out the best ways and times to merge two tracks together, you know, like work in peaks and troughs and you work in 30-second increments when you're DJing with electronic music. There's generally a change in tempo or there's an introduction of a beat or there's an introduction of a synth. And... Um, and trying to work out the best times to merge two songs and then even selecting a track to merge into the one that would make sense to the crowd. So it's like, yeah. so you kind of, you know, it sounds pathetic, but, you know, for that three hours at a club, the, the DJ has a reasonable responsibility to get it right. Like, oh, yeah. Control, control the crowd and, and make sure they're having a good time. And, you know, I think. Yeah, because I suppose if you choose the wrong track to follow, then it could. Everyone gets just really disinterested. Yeah, and then the mood just changes. It must feel like a failure. Yeah, epic failure. Oh, my God. Oh, and <laughs> what I have had, I done? And I had heaps of failures. Like, <laughs> heaps of people say, is this guy for real? Um, and then you're also just like, you DJ at the wrong place. I remember people asking me to play Britney Spears and shit. And like, like <laughs> it, was a, it was never that kind of music we, we, we played. It was always kind of unlabeled, underground kind of stuff that was even hard to get. It was all about trying to find the most original track, the newest track that no one else could find. And um, So you must have spent a lot of time listening to music so much, yeah. in your spare time. Yeah. And, and did you would you have known which are the guaranteed tracks that will work every time? Um, no, not always. Because I think I think in like if I had to if I had to compare it to art, you know, or painting, 
Um, even now, I'll paint something and go, geez, I'm really happy with that. And it doesn't happen often. Um, but even then, so, and then I won't get much engagement. People go, eh, you know. Yeah. I don't, you know, you get really ordinary feedback or no feedback at all. Yeah, yeah. And same thing, I'd pick this incredible track with a really strong beat, you know, a basic vocal. Um, it'd merge well with the mix and then um, you get no response. So <laughs> yeah, right. it's, not that dis- it's not that different. So, yeah. yeah, it comes down to your personal taste. But then you always had your, your blue chip tracks that, you know, you get people re-engaged. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was cool. And so you're not doing that anymore? No, 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 no. I've still got everything. It's out the back. I think some of it's half rusted, but um, <laughs> all my equipment's there. Um, so what are you doing now? Uh, Apart from painting, obviously painting is a big part of your life. Yeah, painting's been a big one. Uh, the music has really taken a backseat. Um, it's always it's always cranked the house, which is awesome. It's always very loud in my car. I think I'm, I'm allergic to silence. <laughs> um, so... Now, um, yeah, now it's just working and painting and fathering and husbanding, yeah, yeah. So, wh- so when did you first start, um, when did you first pick up a brush? Um, I, first, I first picked up a brush uh, about a year and a half ago. <laughs> and Which is phenomenal. How did, well, how did, I mean, let's go back a step. Um, what was sort of the, the, the start or the, the, the thing that, made your life turn to in this direction um well so i started before before my my wife and i got together i was buying heaps of gig posters really cool dead weather like limited release gig poster from you know from new orleans and chuck sperry posters and just all they're incredible prints um Mm. and then I was like really from the fifties or 60s, uh, from the 60s. no, no, new all, all contemporary stuff. And I try oh, to, and there okay. is a couple of sites you can go on. You can go and bid on like um, rare Rolling Stones, Japanese, you know, gig posters and all that sort of stuff. I have a crack on those, but they were really expensive at the time, um, right. and I would always fail. So I just stick with the contemporary stuff. Right. And then um, when I, when my wife and I got together, I was so excited to unveil these incredible gig posters and she was like these are shit oh my god they're actually not being hung in our house and I was just devastated <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, that was that was into that and then she started explaining to me I like to see thick brush strokes and I like to see variation in color and I like to see originality and I was just like man you don't know what you're talking about what do you mean look at this dead weather post that's the best um does she it. have a background in art well, she worked at Heidi. Yeah, she was. In, she she works at Heidi for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and and, Hi- and just for our overseas listeners, Heidi is like the home of Australian modern art. Um, mm. Yeah, Sid Nolan, the Reeds, Arthur Boyd. Mm. They all spent a lot of time there. A lot of the Ned Kellys were painted there. Mm. Um, it's outside it, Melbourne. Yeah, well, it's just on the outskirts. It's about oh. from the city. It's about fifteen minute drive from the city. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, They've got the original homestead. They've got Heidi 2, which was built, I think, I think in the 70s, which is like this postmodern, incredible cinder block building, and then a new museum. And so she worked there working for some curators, um, doing a lot of content. Um, mm. Yeah. So she would have been exposed to a lot of painting. Heaps. Yeah. And, and just like, and not just painting, like some of the best paintings. So yeah. um, it's, hard to, it's hard to compare a, um, you know, edition 20 of 150 dead weather poster to a Sid Nolan original <laughs> yeah so I can understand now where <laughs> she wasn't too pleased I get it and so and so and so then when did you start when did you decide to start painting well bizarrely 
I was actually interested in painting some pots. I don't know why. I just, for our backyard, put this tiny little courtyard and I thought it'd be cool to have some different colored pots. So, so my wife bought me some paints um, to start playing around with these pots. Uh, then I thought I'd just go and get a canvas and stuff around with it as well. Uh, that was disastrous. I didn't do anything with it. It was the worst thing I've ever painted. Um, but I had an old, my, my mother-in-law gave me an old, um, an old painting she had that had been sitting in a garage for a hundred years. Um, and I just painted over it, which is really disrespectful, I know. But um, I, I painted over that, and it just felt really nice. It was really cathartic, mm, and I... Yeah. Um, Maybe because you already, you sort of had a ground, you know, you could sort of... Yeah, but it's, it was just... What did you paint? Oh, it was like a, a palm tree coming out of a pot, because I didn't know how to draw or paint um, flowers. Probably still don't. There's an argument that suggests I still don't know how to paint flowers, but... <laughs> but um, <laughs> Just, yeah, like a, a weird palm thing coming out of a pot and um, a cigarette, and that was it. So did you just keep painting after that? Is that what happened? Yeah, I get really obsessive, so I, I just thought I found something else I could paint over. I think I painted over about four paintings. Um, none, oh, sorry, three, three were prints, just old, like the 60s um, prints you'd see if you've got um, Italian relatives or, you know, those. <laughs> the, um, yeah, I painted over some of those. Uh, which might not be a good move, the Lynch stuff, because they might be worth heaps one day. <laughs> the prints, <laughs> um, and and yeah, and and just got really and really enjoyed it. And then you know started drawing with charcoal and mm. and it's always about flowers. I really like still life for some reason. Um, yeah, it's, it's comforting. It's warm. Yeah. Well, actually. When I, I mean, I've been following you on Instagram, and actually, we should start talking about Instagram because that's been sort of basically where, um, you know, you've had such a huge presence and a huge following, and um, I noticed it. You know, as you say, you only started over a year, you know, a bit over a year ago, and you started doing some um, great, like head and shoulder paintings, which sort of, um, like, you know, bearded. Yeah. Sort of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the tel- yeah it's like a, a shaman or a talisman, yeah. Yeah. Um, How yeah. did that come about? Um, oh, I think just because all I could really paint was just the still life stuff and I, I knew I needed to branch out a little bit. So um, I couldn't, I can't draw, I mean, anything realistic. I can't paint anything realistic, I don't think. Um, so it made sense just to not even bother drawing and just, just, paint something that was quite simple um, mm. and really was just an experiment with palette, just dudes with different coloured beards and yeah. um, different hats and, and stuff like that. So there's the, one of the, what I reckon is one of the best painters in Australia, uh, Reece Lee. He's, in my opinion, the probably the best portrait painter, abstracted portrait painter. Mm. Um, so I just look at his stuff and then I paint something and then I look at his stuff and then realise that mine was that bad, it's not funny. Um, <laughs> But just, just sort of. Oh, I don't think it was that just, bad. Just <laughs> have a look at Reese's, then have a look at mine, and then and then <laughs> and we'll have a conversation. So then, yeah, yeah. So I'd basically look at his stuff, and then um, I really enjoyed it. But mm. then again, I didn't. Um, well, I'm not really enjoying it now, but yeah, I, I did enjoy the process, and I think I learned a lot. Well, it's a, like it's clear from it that you sort of you're experimenting with color, yeah, and um, sort of form and all that sort of thing. It was, re- and so that was so you were getting the inspiration from Reese's work. Yeah, Reese's yeah. work. There's a couple of other couple of other artists I thought was really cool. Um, there was Matisse's self portrait. I looked at a lot, which mm. is all you know. It's got different colors and mm. it's quite abstracted. Um, so there were a couple of really cool paintings I'd look at 
Um, and again, just did the whole thing, paint it, come back, mine's horrendous, that's amazing, and then throw the towel in for that night. Mm. Um, so would you, so every evening you would, um, after work or whatever, you, yeah, just, you would... Yeah, just about, yeah. Yeah, most most evenings. Um, did you start with oils or acrylics or...? I uh, Just with acrylic, yeah, just with acrylic. Um, my wife went and got these massive tubes of um, acrylic paint, just... Mm. And yeah, playing around with mixing and, and just trying to understand that. Really not focused on anything textural at that point because I think I was just trying to understand the colour and and how it all worked. And yeah. So um also I used a lot of crayon like oil pastels. Oh yeah. Yeah, we've yeah. got this news agent down the road from us that sells these awesome ones of like two bucks. So I'd go and spend yeah. thirty bucks on oil pastels and just pump them out and just draw different stuff. Um, in meetings, which is really rude, but I, I, I but I listen better when I'm doing something. So I'd have to, so all my. Oh my, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting, better, isn't it? Heaps better. I'm so much more focused when I'm doing something. Yeah, I've noticed a, that. As opposed to sitting it. there and sort of taking notes and twiddling my fingers. So. Mm. Um, Do they mind? I don't think so, because because I because I, I probably see I'm more engaged. Cause I'm asking more questions and I'm coming up with more ideas as opposed mm. to sitting there looking around the room, you know, getting yeah. distracted by phone and. Yeah, so the oil pastels are awesome, and then started smudging them, and so that's really drawing. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the oil pastel stuff was definitely has been a part, and I think even then I stopped painting for a little while. When our when our second son was born, I really I don't think I painted for about eight weeks, but every day I was just drawing. So yeah, right. Yeah, and so with the still life, so you're talking about how much you enjoy still life, and um, in particular you have these. Um, works often flowers in a pot or in a vase is it a vase or a pot yeah. on a table yeah. yeah and a lot of patterning I noticed recently mm. which is, is is that what you're attracted to yeah I think so just the clash of it's almost a bit gaudy in some ways it's a clash of of um of pattern and color um and not really not necessarily subscribing to any rule around that mm. either like um uh Andrew Salgado did a a piece uh, last year in a, in a big show I did over at Beers in London where he did this unbelievable portrait and then stuck the portrait to um, some wallpaper, really beautifully patterned wallpaper, oh. and then even put a little shelf where he stuck little, you know, ornamental objects. Yeah, right. Um, oh, it was so good. It was just the best. It was just like pattern on pattern on pattern because Andrew's work so textured and detailed. Like, he's American, isn't he? Uh, he's Canadian. He's oh, Canadian. he's Canadian. Yeah, he's oh, Canadian. Okay. lives in the UK. Uh, yeah, so seeing that, I mean, that sort of just it re-inspires you or, or, or lets you know that it's okay to, <laughs> yeah. to do some of the pattern on pattern on pattern and all that sort of stuff. So, um, Do you find yourself drawn to the to a similar palette yeah, each time? Yeah, absolutely, which is probably not a good thing. Like, I think after this next body of work, I'm going to have to get out of the palette that I always use because I really like the muted, earthy tones. Um and I don't think it's good to continue to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going at the same time. Oh, just because it's not interesting. You know. To yourself? Well, to myself. And I'm sure people don't want to continue to see the same stuff over and over again. So I think that mm. evolution is kind of important. Um, and I feel like I'm getting it out of my system as well mm. now. Mm. Like I'm, the other day I bought some primary colours and what felt really uncomfortable and weird. It was, it was nice to do something different, yeah. I think. A lot of the work I'm doing now, there's um, there's oil, graphite, uh, acrylic pen, always sand, lots of sand, oh, lots really? of exposed gesso. Yeah. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah, I was actually, that's what I want to talk to you about is the texture in your recent works, which yeah. is really interesting. Do you build that up with the gesso? I mean, how, how do you, or is it different ways that you build that up? Um, yeah, so um, I, I, I painted over a painting like 19 times and got this incredible texture. Yeah. And I wanted to try and replicate it, but it's just so hard until you... You know, it costs you a fortune, firstly, to paint over something 19 times, and I just can't be bothered. <laughs> um, so I thought, uh, after speaking to a couple of mates, PVC, to get that texture might work, but it was far too flowing. It was a bit bumpy. So sand seems to give you that grittiness, um, and if it's too gritty, you just put another layer of gesso. So if you apply mm -hmm. the sand, so you get a canvas, you get a handful of sand, chuck it around, and then you apply the gesso, you generally get a nice, uh, even mix. Oh, of roughness, okay. almost feels like sandpaper, but you don't want to put too much on because then you have to just gesso over it. It becomes too hard. Oh right. Yeah. So. Oh, so you prepare the surface first like that? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know there was yeah. sand on there. Yeah, there's always oh. lots of sand. Oh, brilliant. And, and sometimes too much because then I got to go over it. Like, would you buy the sand or? Is yeah, it... I go to Bunnings. There's good old <laughs> Bunnings. Yeah. Oh, Bunnings go has on your sand. Bunnings. Yeah, Bunnings <laughs> has sand, and um, when I when I haven't had access to sand, we've been um, in Dalesford. I've used to use dirt from the garden. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. yeah, it's... I suppose it's going to give you the same effect. It does, as long as it's dry, and yeah. you sort of mush it together in your hands and get that, you know, and an even spread. Yeah, that so does is that, So texture, do, do you find you you enjoy that, the texture? Yeah, I definitely love the texture, and I love the process to get the texture. Mm. It's all very cathartic. It's all really... Uh, yeah, it's almost one of the best parts is preparing the canvas to paint. I can almost just do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just call it quits, because um, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah. Yes, that's the best bit. Do you get your ideas from books at all? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Instagram and music, really, I guess. How Even just lines and music, you kind of... How does that work? Well, music's pretty emotive in, in that it makes you feel lots. So if you're having a shocking day and you come and put on something pretty depressive, um, you generally find that you'll pick a darker palette and... Um, you might do something that you otherwise wouldn't have done if you're, in a really, if you're flat as a pancake. Um, on the happy days, you go and get all the pinks and yellows and in the world yeah. and chuck them around and it's, it's really cool. But... Um, God, that's interesting. Yeah, that, that so... Would... And the song lines, mm. like, you know, you get all... I don't know, since I became a father, I've become really aware of my mortality and, aware, and have a greater appreciation for life. Mm. So a song can sting you a lot more um, if it's something that reminds me of my wife or my son's. Mm. And um, yeah, I don't get emotional. Like I don't start crying, <laughs> but it certainly puts me in a space where I'm very appreciative um, of yeah of my sons and my wife, and and that will then lead to painting something yeah off the back of that, which yeah. which might be a still life, but the still life is just the the vase and the flowers are really just a vessel in that they can be irrelevant in some of the paintings. It's not about the, the vase, it's about the colours, it's about some of the patterns. Um, it's just a focal point, really, mm. to work around the painting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. And with the more abstract works that I've, I've noticed that um, I was talking to you before, that I was sort of saying it was sort of reminds me of a sort of an abstracted landscape. Mm. Um, yeah, I was saying to you the one called Time of the Assassins I really liked. 
and because and that had a lot of sort of marks on it like yeah. you had the, these sort of bold blocks of color and then this mark making on top and the writing do you are you interested in um words as well in your in your work yeah absolutely and and more so than ever recently um just yeah Cy Twom- Twomley I can always get the surname wrong yeah, I never, Twom- I never had Twomley or Toomley or Twomley um, I've been looking at heaps of his work lately and I think I would have definitely subscribed to one of those people back in the days or I could paint that and now I look at it and go it is impossible to paint anything that good that is so so good it's scary um, his mark making is just in my opinion is, is, is probably second to none um, so yeah there's that and there's just the lyrics in the song lines that I hear mm-hmm. um or things that I'm reading um, yeah. that are fairly poignant and just and, and stick in my head. Yeah, so sometimes I write in French because I think it's the best language. I don't know how to speak French or write French. So <laughs> Google Translate is like my best friend. Um, so if you ever see French and it's fairly inauthentic in that I don't know how to speak French, but it sounds so much better and it looks so much better. <laughs> it looks and, yeah, same meaning though, same meaning. But, yeah, it's, it's nice to look at French, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's French sounds good too. French sounds good. It. Yeah, it sounds good. It looks good. Um, you've got a, You've got yeah. an affinity to to Paris and France. You were saying. I but... do. I do. Which is, um, yeah, it's unhealthy because <laughs> I don't live there, so it makes it really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah, we um, we spent some time there when when my oldest son was six months old, um, and it's like my fondest memory, I think, of all time, mm. was just being with my wife and, and my son, and we, we walked everywhere, and it was hot, um, and it was just, uh, it was September, so it was mm. that sort of change of season. Um, and it was Paris the whole it was, time? Uh, it was yeah. Paris, and we spent some time down in the south of France. Um, mm. We stayed in a little medieval town called Bonneu, um, and that was magic as well. We just yeah. drove around, and I don't know, the French have got it right. Strong family values and great food, great people. Like, everyone was just amazing. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's, it's just a home. Beautiful place. It's a home of everything. It's a home of um, radical thinking and free thought, modern art, modern literature. It's just, like, it's it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And, mm. um, yeah, I don't know. It's an yeah. unhealthy obsession as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's expensive getting there. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, can we talk about uh, Instagram? Yes. So, so when did you? So, can you tell me a bit about how Instagram has sort of um, influenced your increase in popularity in the art world? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Actually, can I just? Uh, I'll just interject at this point sure, because sure. Um, we were just sort of running through some shows that are coming up. Actually, I've counted about seven that are coming up, and basically, there's a couple in Australia, but they're inter- they're all international shows. Mm. Um, a few group shows, um, a couple of solo shows. And and you were saying to me that it's through Instagram yeah, that you've pretty, made all these connections. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's Yeah, it's, it's been really phenomenal, actually. Um, I've met some amazing people. <laughs> I speak to some of... I speak to some people on Instagram that live in the US and Europe more than I speak to my mates here, <laughs> which is pathetic. I know it's really bad. Um, <laughs> but um, will that just be through... Uh, comments or is this direct messaging? Direct messaging, yeah, right. direct messaging. So we're all art tragic. So I think the guys I speak to are all, you know, just really love painting and love, um, you know, other people's work and um, and can find it all just as inspiring and equally devastating. Once you paint something, it's amazing. Then you jump on your feed 
and you've got 10 artists have just produced this absolute, you know, masterpiece and you think, why am I doing this? You know, <laughs> why am I bothering? Because it's so good. Um, so you're just stumbling on these people just through, you know, following someone and then following someone. Yeah, else, yeah, it? it's, it's, pre- it's pretty organic the way Instagram works. So you can, you know, um, someone will like something of yours, then you'll have a look at theirs and, geez, that's pretty cool and then you'll follow them. And, and eventually you might stumble into a conversation, you know, some via comments and then that leads to, you know, blossoms to a friendship, which is, it's kind of like online dating, okay, so you know, why <laughs> online friending. Um, yeah, so you make some really, you, you make these incredible connections. I mean, I've got, I've got a good mate in Portugal, we speak all the time, another mate in LA, um, another really good mate in, uh, in Canada. Um, and in London, I, I mean, we just, yeah, it's, mm. it's become just, it's just like texting a mate really. And, and how does it lead to like, for example, you've got, um, a show coming up in, um, Copenhagen, for example, in September. Yeah. Um, how did that come about? Uh, Instagram again, um, a, a curator, um, yeah, basically, we started chatting. He said, Contacted you, basically. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, are you interested in getting involved in a show? And I said, absolutely. Um, and, yeah, here we are. So... Yeah. So that's... I'm really excited about that. I haven't I haven't been to Copenhagen. Um, and, and Rachel and I will endeavour to get over there, if we can, for, for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, but it all comes around just, just, just talking. And art is that common language, you know, for everyone. So I feel really bad because I'm, I'm, I'm a... Uh, I can't speak any other languages and all these guys have to speak English. I really appreciate that. I'm really embarrassed about that as well. It's almost like a default. Like, hey, mate, how are you going? I don't speak Danish or Portuguese or, you know, so, yeah. they, so they have to speak uh, English. Um, yeah. But It must be, but English must be the, pretty, the most sort of used language on Instagram, I would say. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah. think, I think so, yeah. But I am very apologetic. I do acknowledge that. And I would yeah. like to try to learn something at least. So I'm contributing to that yeah. friendship, you know, yeah. in, a, in a way that, in an equal way. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got shows coming up in Germany, uh, Melbourne, LA, Copenhagen, Paris, <laughs> UK and Denmark. Well, Copenhagen is in Denmark, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the internet has it really played like a huge role in sort of shrinking the world for artists. It has. It has. It's, made, it's been incredible, I think. Um, we live in a really fortunate time um, mm. where we get access to see some amazing things and just so different as well. It's the, the variation in art is incredible. Like some you know, totally mm. stripped back abstract stuff, which just seems really simple, which is unbelievably complex. And then, you know, things, people doing some crazy things with all different mediums and sizes and, yeah. 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 So you get exposed to it all. So yeah. it's hard not to get inspired on a daily basis and also to cry on a daily basis when you see how good <laughs> the work that everyone else is doing. So, yeah, yeah it's a bit of both. Well, well, it's also an instant. Once you post something, mm. um, you get, you know, it, you're getting it out to so many people yeah. instantly. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's just so immediate you know? it is yeah, yeah it is so you could be painting so you come home tonight you yep. know you paint your work you get it up this tomorrow whatever or however long it takes you to paint that work yep. and you get feedback straight away you, you know? do you do um don't, yeah so it becomes i guess through instagram i mean one of the good thing is you, you get lots of support and you get nice comments and i think that's really important in terms of um maintaining a motivation to keep painting mm-hmm. um 
but it doesn't necessarily mean it's any good. Because <laughs> like, then people say, oh, you know what, I like Jordan. He's not a bad bloke. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I'll tell him he's doing a good job. So then here I am painting away thinking I'm well, doing a good job. So I it's not. No, yeah. I, I think. It's, it's a bit of both, I think. Yeah, I, mean, just, I think it is a bit of both. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think sometimes a certain image when you flick because you, you do flick through Instagram yeah. and you, your immediate response will be a certain response. Sure. And it might be that some images get a better immediate responses than other images. Yeah, that's true. And also, you're not, I suppose you're not seeing it. Um, you know, in the flesh or whatever. So, so you're not getting that added benefit of the of really seeing the texture or whatever. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. you don't get a sense of scale. I think that's a bad thing about. Yeah, that's unless true. you get unless you get someone to stand next to the painting or put a you know a, a normal household object. You don't really necessarily get a, a sense of scale. Yeah, yeah. Which can be detrimental. I mean, I painted oh, I very rarely paint things that I like, but I painted this <laughs> little piece. It was like 40 by 30 on a canvas and it was just devastating because it's so little. It's just like it almost becomes insignificant because it's such a little piece. So, um, But what? But on Insta it looks as big as every other piece. It looks oh, no different that. than any other piece I've ever painted. So anyway. Yeah. So when you say you don't like a lot of the stuff you do, is that right? Do you really not it's like not that, It's not that I don't. Oh, well, I guess it, maybe it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it, it's mine, you know. Like yeah. it's, it's, um, it's something that I've painted um, like I could reel off there's, there's a couple of artists that I look at and I just marvel um, you know Reese Lee being one Adam Lee I don't know if you know Adam's work being mm-hmm. another Justin Williams um, mm-hmm. there's there's a list um, there's a guy called Wolfgang Vogel actually is a, a German artist I'm obsessed with uh, Ina Gherkin is another German artist she's incredible mm. I mean I could sit here for I could sit for half an hour just listening off names of people who just go wow 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 yeah. wow um, and so do you, um, do you see yourself at this stage becoming a full-time artist? Um, I'd love to. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I couldn't think of anything better, to be honest, from a vocational point of view. Um, but I get nervous. I mean, it's just like, you've got to, you know, you've got to eat, you've got to feed your family. And that scares me a little bit. <laughs> Irregularities of, of revenue, yeah, scare the shit out of me because I don't yeah. know. We've got a mortgage, we've got a house, mm. we've got, um, you know, we want to do stuff with the boys and, um, yeah, it just depends. It depends on, on how, how much I can get it out there and how regular you can you can make money, I think. Um, I suppose you can get it. I suppose you, you sort of just go step by step and, like, you've got all these shows coming up and then you can get a feel for... Yeah, well, but what, how is that going to go? You could be in, well, you could be in ten shows and sell nothing. That's the thing. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I guess, I guess I'll get, I'll get a better understanding maybe at the end of the year how, yeah. how I'm positioned. I'd love to though. I'd really, really love to. But um, yeah, it all comes down to what's best for best for the family, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I like asking um, artists about uh, how they sort of get into their painting mode you know um yeah so music once again is the i guess is the driving factor or um horrendous tv yeah <laughs> so if <laughs> so at the moment because i've got a young family we've got a studio at the back um which i paint in irregularly and i bring small pieces in and paint in the kitchen in which i heckle my wife um and just tease her about her horrendous um show choices um, 
And you probably secretly enjoy them. Uh, sometimes, but I wouldn't tell her that. Yeah. <laughs> Downton Abbey sort of got a bit more interest. Oh, at least she gets to see Downton Abbey. I've been banned from Downton Abbey. Uh, Everyone else in the family refuses to watch it. Good for them. <laughs> good for them. Respect, because it's not very good. Um, yeah, no, nah, there's been some bad ones. She likes to revisit 90210. Um <laughs> Gilmore Girls is the worst thing I've ever been put through. I mean, that was... I'll, I'll never do that again. Um, so, yeah, that makes it easy <laughs> to paint. Um, or uh, my wife is a is a textile artist, so she does beautiful um, weaves. And if she's doing that, we'll put on some music, you know, whatever we're feeling at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, we'll sing along. And I'm not necessarily along. I can't sing. But, um, yeah, and then just sort of check each other's work out from time to time and pass comment. I'll ask her how I'm going, and if there's a any more than a two second delay, no, it's no good. So I'll get, <laughs> I'll get back on my horse, um, and yeah, yeah, no. Nah, so that's I guess yeah. yeah, music music really does get you fired up. It gets you yeah. feeling something other than what you're feeling. Yeah, definitely. Um, whether it is a motive in that that makes you feel sad or happy or mm. um, nostalgic, yeah, mm, mm. and then that'll help shape the the piece that you're working on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you've got a solo show coming up at Lindbergh Galleries in Melbourne yep. very soon. And so what is that going to involve? Um, really, really, I guess the theme is about retention of youth. I'm petrified of getting old now. And I'm getting, not that I was ever cool, but I just feel less cool than I was before. Well, when you've um, been a G- DJ, you know. <laughs> I wasn't cool. That's the thing. I've always been, I was never really cool. Um, so now I feel. Did you wear a cap? Nah, nah, I was probably too obsessed with having good hair. Like, nah, I was, I was probably too much of a wanker to, to really, you know, to, to wear a hat. Um, but, um, yeah, so this one is about retention of youth. It's about holding on to every last scrap of, of being young that I can as, as it slowly fades away with responsibility and, and age and grey hairs and, and yeah having kids having kids yeah yeah it's just like having kids for me has been the biggest revelation which I know it sounds stupid because I'm sure everyone feels the same but just in terms of well firstly you know you're not a kid anymore Mm. secondly you know you've got lifelong responsibilities um and thirdly life isn't about you anymore it's about them and which I love it's not about me and the decisions I make can't be about me anymore and I don't want them to be about me anyway Mm. so it's a bit of a relief sometimes absolutely it's a relief and then therefore there is more but I also want to be a good dad I want to be a cool dad I don't want to be I want to have time and I want to have patience and I want to have um, I don't want to be I don't want to be the mate but I don't want to be a traditional dad Mm. I need to find that balance which is really important. So I think part of finding that balance is is trying not to get old and jaded. And every now and then I'll, you know, like have a bad day at work and you snap and then you feel like an asshole and then you kind of, I just don't want to do any of that. So yeah. if I can retain my youth by still being silly with the boys and, and saying mm. silly stuff and, you know, I get Sunny to critique paintings now um, and stuff like <laughs> just being stupid and... Sonny is obsessed with Mickey Mouse, so I painted a Mickey Mouse portrait, but just did a little cross tattoo on him. Actually, there's no cigarette in that one, um, but yeah. <laughs> That's right. Cigarettes do feature quite they a do. lot in your in your work. Yeah, which is ironic because I don't smoke, um, but it's like you don't want something to be too pretty, and cigarettes aren't pretty. They, 
I still I still look at people smoking and think it's cool, <laughs> and I'm not endorsing it for one second. But you know, you look at the old um, like James Dean posters, and he's got his cowboy hat and his cigarette. I mean, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess the introduction of a cigarette really just it's for the grimier side, the realistic side of life. Mm. Um, um, can we talk about? Because I don't think we talked about it before. Can we talk about? Um, the work that you do now, sure. uh, your day job, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because you're an education consultant. Mm. So can you tell me a bit about what what that involves? Sure. So we um, we basically identify um, opportunities for students um, to develop really interesting um, vocational programs um, based around uh, nationally accredited education, but also. Mm-hmm. We call it putting some meat around the bones, um, bringing in amazing resources such as speakers, um, lecturers, tours, all that sort of cool stuff. And we mm. create a, a program um, designed for a range of different markets. So the one one we're looking at very clearly close at the moment and we're working with is, a, is an Indigenous development. Um, we've got 15 Indigenous kids at the moment who are studying at one of our programs um, and they're from all parts of Australia. Mm. Um, and they're all oh, the best dudes ever. They're all mm. just, it's a male cohort at the moment. Um, all got incredible stories. And at the moment, we're just providing them with a bit of insight into met- metropolitan life in Melbourne and, um, and helping them work out what they want to do long term whilst mm. making it fun and engaging and, and yeah, with a view to them either staying here and forging out a career here mm. or going home and, and um, executing learnings and strategies they've learned here in their rural communities. And is then, that an, uh, with an arts uh, so that's, direction? That's that sports that? at the moment. That's, that's using sport as a, as a, I guess as a common language, as a common ground. Mm. Um, and then to the future, um, yeah, I've, I've started talking to a mate about, um, about us doing an Indigenous program, around Indigenous art, which is like, for me, just be the best thing ever. Um, yeah, about harnessing some of the talent around rural, regional Australia, and, and bringing them here, and maintaining some of their um, some of their regions' uh, art style, art, well, art styles, I guess you'd say, um, as well as harnessing all their current skill sets and, and developing them as artists. Mm. So there's a big, there's a huge demand internationally for Indigenous Australian art. Oh, I can um, understand that. Yeah, so yeah. if we can if we can create that link between development and the international art world, I'd love to be part of that and, and mm. build something like that. So we'll, we'll just see what we can pull together. Yeah, yeah. But um, very passionate about that. So, you know, thank you so much for having me here today, your place. Thank you. Um, I want to meet your schnauzers too before I leave. You have to meet the schnauzers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, good luck. Good luck with this year coming up. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. You can see links to things and people we talk about on the show, including details of Geordie's current show on talkingwithpainters.com. Also, in a few days, I'll be posting a short video, which I took on the day, onto the YouTube playlist. So just search Talking With Painters on YouTube and the playlist should come up. And don't forget, you can also follow the show on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters. There was a student 
who wrote a piece of, of mine uh, and she described my work as beautiful melancholia, which I think was kind of cool. Like, I told her I'd steal it and I have. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's beautiful, but it's certainly there's a bit of melancholia because yeah. I think you get the prettiness at the top and then sometimes you'll see there's a couple of pills and there's some cigarettes down the bottom and so it evens out to be what life really is. So in some ways there's two stories to each painting, you know, some joy and then some, some shitty stuff. Yeah.